your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about having the same argument year after year, over and over and over again. Does that sound familiar to you? Well, I'm sure it does because a lot of people do it. Some people have the same circular arguments throughout their entire marriage, 50, 60 years. Just keep on going, arguing about the same thing, never hearing each other, which is the problem. It's the problem is people have trouble hearing things they don't like and they become defensive and then they try to gaslight the person bringing something up, make them feel like they're crazy, and then everything starts to get out of hand. The other problem is a lot of times when people are having circular argument arguments, one or the other is trying to parent the other person. And when you try to parent another person, you're going to offend them because they're not a child. They're a regular person and they do not appreciate being talked to as if they're a child. Unfortunately, many people, especially if they have lots of kids, have a tendency to parent their spouse. And when you do that, there is a gigantic disconnect uh, between both people and that gigantic sense of resentment and a lot of needs don't get met and a lot of loneliness takes place in a relationship. You know, if you notice how often we argue about the same things over and over again, it is a telltale sign that you're not a good listener. What is the obligation of a listener? Well, it's very simple. A, a person that, that is obligated to listen is a spouse in a relationship. And that person's job is to hear. Not only hear, but to validate. To validate the other person's emotional attachment to the subject they're talking about and validate, even if you don't agree with it, their perception. And if you allow yourself to do that, what happens is we become better listeners and things calm down. And then people begin to have what's called uh, adult conflict, where they res it's problem solving, where they resolve things and they answer logic with logic. So in a relationship, the job is, if, unless you want to have circular arguments for the rest of your life, the job is to empathize with how your partner feels. Empathize, even if it's a criticism, empathize. Once you empathize, once again, things calm down. Now you can go logic to logic. To logic. You know, these same old arguments, the same old cycle in itself creates a trust issue that my partner will never listen to me. And quite frankly, it damages the foundation of what you have to do in any kind of relationship. If, if, you, if, if you just look at a heterosexual relationship, and this can work in a homosexual or any other relationship, what you have to do is cherish your partner, especially if you're a male. That's what women need. They need to feel cherished. Cherished is like she's the center of my life. I, I don't know what I'd do without her. I can't be the man I am without her. I don't even know why she's with me. You know, I'm so lucky to have her. And it's that way when you're with her. It's that way when you're not with her. If you're able to provide that ingredient, you will not be nagged to the end of your days. 
And you will have a lot more grace given to you if you get really good at cherish. Now, the other problem is many women are not good listeners. They want to hear themselves talk. And so what they do, and then men try to solve analytically the person that heard their spouse's emotions. Well, you don't do that. You have to be compassionate. And that is a big problem in human communication is trying to match logic with emotion. And all you do is make the person more emotional and you yourself become the enemy. And so what we all have to recognize is that we need to respect each other and respect is listening. And here's the thing about a man from 30,000 feet up, he feels demasculated if he's not heard by his partner. So that means that a woman needs to be really good at allowing the man, even if she doesn't agree with him, to at least have a voice. She does not have to agree with him. There's no need to agree with either one of you. There's just the need to validate, especially how you feel, and then validate what you're thinking. Very important aspect of a relationship if we're going to get it right. You know, there's a lot of... uh, negative interaction cycles. The the topic or concern or issue may change, but it's usually the same pattern. One spouse is more demanding or trying to get a response, and the other avoids or dismisses or withdraws, and then it escalates from there. And so then uh, if you've got a passive-aggressive partner, they're going to stuff it and stuff it and stuff it, run, 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 and then eventually you're going to do just tap on a little issue that's very similar to the same circular argument you've been having forever, And all that person does is blow up, look like an idiot, and now they're the problem, and nothing ever gets solved because they've held it in and held it in, and then they blew up, created a big mess with the goal of saying, you better never, ever make me feel this stressed out, and uh, scaring everybody to death, and now everybody is disrespecting that person that just blew up, and they're now the center of the problem. And that can be very frustrating. You know, you know. We're, let's try to get started on understanding some of these cycles. There's really three kinds of cycles involved in circular arguments. The most common is where one spouse is pursuing or demanding or attacking. The other spouse is avoiding, dismissive, withdrawn. It's, called, it's some kind to call it an attack withdrawal or a demand withdrawal cycle. And the second is where both spouses typically go on the attack, become defensive and angry, and never solve anything. And then the third is where both spouses avoid. You know, let's break these down a little bit here. So the demand withdrawal cycle, this is in this form, one spouse, usually the wife, although occasionally it's in reverse, tries to engage in a discussion about an issue that is important to them emotionally. And and they will typically make demands and apply pressure. And the automatic response of the partner is to avoid, dismiss, or withdraw from the discussion. And, and this, they may also placate, which means just give in for no reason. Just give in because they don't want to do the conflict. And that often leads to escalations. You know, as that demanding spouse feels ignored, unheard, uncherished, um, basically what happens is uh, they resort to increasing strong forms of attack, Words get escalated, words get nasty, because they're not getting the attention that they want. And so people say horrible things in these moments, and unfortunately, the partner usually remembers it forever and ever and ever. And it's really not meant to attack them directly, it's meant to get their attention. Unfortunately, people don't listen that way. You know, the withdrawing spouse is in the face of an intensified attack, and they often double down 
on the defense and withdraw even more and often stonewalling the attacker even for days, weeks, months at a time. And, and this will continue until either the attacker gives up, which is a profoundly lonely moment for that person, or until the withdrawal explodes. And this style of conflict is not good for marital satisfaction. No surprise there. You know, and then there's this mutually hostile approach. And in this approach, typically both spouses are pursuers and attackers. And you respond to criticism with further criticism and with a conscious, subconscious agenda to provoke an angry response. As you might expect, this often escalates and usually just becomes anger venting, a cathartic experience rather than one actually solves the problem and resolves the conflict. And so while this may be more frightening approach to conflict, it certainly doesn't do much good for either of you because it builds resentment after resentment after resentment. And it's a little easier to break out from, you know, that 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 common uh, demand withdrawal pattern simply because both spouses want to express themselves, which is helpful, and work on the issue at hand. But you have to remember, in a relationship, all conflict is designed to make the relationship better. That's an important ingredient. Making the relationship better is a very powerful thing to understand when you're arguing. That means we need to be constructive, not destructive. And then there's this third pattern, this avoid-void pattern. This is where both spouses are avoiding or are natural withdrawers. And in that situation, there's no major overt conflict, no screaming matches, but typically nothing ever gets resolved. And uh, unfortunately, this leads to buildup of resentment. And as all these unresolved issues grow and grow and grow, now it's important to note that your style may change. For example, if you started out your marriage avoid avoid, you may eventually find one person transitions to a pursuing, or both of you will get so frustrated they become mutually hostile. You know, one, one shift that I see a lot of times is the demands withdraw cycle, the common one. Then the pursuer finally just gets burnt out and apathetic. Well, what is apathy? The opposite of love. When you go to apathy, that means there's very little emotions to work with. And quite frankly, any relationship is based on feelings, emotions. It's not based on logic. It's based on how safe you feel with your partner emotionally. That's what makes a family come together is emotions, accepting each other's emotions, loving each other through our emotions. That makes our home safe. But if you can't engage on an emotional level, it's really hard to build a relationship. You know, communication is the sexiest thing you can possibly do in life is improve your communication and become a great listener. You know, all of these cycles are more common in couples whose marriage is distressed, by the way. And if things are going badly, there's a lot of tension, a lot of unresolved anger, and then following to a negative cycle is much easier. You know, as you'd probably expect, each of these cycles creates further distress in any kind of relationship. If you want to break the pattern, if you want to drill down to some detailed tactics on breaking out the pattern, then our bonus guy, you know, looking at this thing is, is being able to break down and see just exactly what are the things that you can do. And so that's what we're going to talk about. You know, first of all, 
in a relationship, what's really important is you equalize your power imbalances. That means that both of you have a voice. You know, both of you have to be willing to hear each other's perception of the truth, accusations of their truth. That's an important aspect. And, and, and if, if your partner has less power, this means that trying to engage you in conflict may be the only way that they can get their needs met. Or developing a more equal relationship and a collaborative mindset can help resolve it. You know, if there are many grievances that have been left unre- unresolved, uh, resentment takes over. And if one spouse or one partner perceives the marriage as an unfair in some way, then resentment is likely to build. And resentment itself is likely to make you as a couple more negative in conflict styles and assume the worst about each other. What That means that we start talking to the label of our partner rather than talking to our partner. And so you really have to address these past issues and solve these complaints, especially when they're minor, before they build up. And the best, most effective way is to be the goal, a good, safe listener with your partner before you go to logic. That means we don't go to logic with emotions. That doesn't work. Logic and emotions are opposites. They do not do well together. They don't play well together. Logic does not subside at emotion. It escalates it because we're trying to go, you're stupid and I'm smart. You're stupid and I'm smart. That's the message that comes across when you address uh, logic or, excuse me, emotion with logic. You know, you also want, want to consider, you know, how attributions and interpretations affect your relationship. The meaning you attribute to your spouse's action has an impact on what kind of conflict and interactions you're likely to use. And so interpreting Uh, Those actions negatively can increase hostility and the likelihood of using negative conflict styles. For example, you know, when your your spouse comes home late and misses dinner, uh, if you interpret this as he's useless, he doesn't care about keeping his promises, this makes falling into a hostile conflict cycle more likely. Conversely, interpreting the same situation as he probably is caught in traffic is less likely to lead to conflict. So work on challenging your negative attributions and try to interpret your spouse's actions more positively. You know, you can help break out of negative cycles and choose different ways of responding. The idea is to just mentally pause yourself for a minute before you respond, stopping to see if you're really assessing the situation fairly or whether you're heading to a direction that will lead to conflict and disrespect of your partner. You know, emotion-focused couples therapy is a really good treatment for this kind of a problem. You know, the approach is so effective. You identify the cycle and see that as a problem rather than each other. So I'm okay, you're okay. You identify and express underlying emotions, unmet needs, which are trying to be expressed through conflict. And each spouse accepts the other's experience and perspective. Very important. Expects needs in in relation to original conflict. You know, there's a difference between a want and a need. And needs have to do with love languages. And love languages are a very important part of a person because that's an emotional attachment to a certain thing. It may be the need to be uh, with your partner, spend time. 
It may be the need for gifts. It may be the need for doing things for me. Um, those needs are illogical. They seem to be kind of fragile, but the fact is they're needs. And people have to recognize that that's important language I've got to learn as a spouse with my partner when they have a need. So you have to be more aware of your thought processes. You have to learn to examine your assumptions, your interpretations, your emotions before you speak and act on them. And this gives you the choice of whether to act based on impulses, which might escalate, or whether to prioritize your relationship. Once again, every conflict is about making the relationship better. You know, so those are all pretty useful things to be working on. You know, it's, it's learning to spot the cycles and understand that the underlying needs and emotions is the best way to resolve conflict. But learning communication and coping skills always helps. You know, uh, play out the same relationship conflict again and again. It's if we think uh, the more we fight about something, the more chances we're going to find the answer. No, it's the way you're fighting that's the problem. Instead, we end up exhausted and cut off from the very person that we want to be close to. And so, you know, the, it, it's actually more the case of, not, of what not to do. You know, our relationship conflict starts, it, it, when it starts, it can be like floodgates that have opened. And we talk over each other, we interrupt, we spar to get our and, and arguments. You know, what's the hurry? Slow down, do the one magical thing we all tend to forget about when we enter the conflict zone. Listen, listen, listen. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time, or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. 
or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about what I call circular arguments, and that's the same old argument year after year, day after day, same thing. It always comes back to the same argument, and a lot of couples do this until they die, and usually this is probably what causes them to stress out enough to die of whatever they're going to die of. You know, the, the fact is, if you want to have a good relationship, if you want to have a peaceful relationship, if you want to have a good life, you need to become a very good listener. That means it's not about you. That means it's about your partner. It's about your children. It's about other people. When you put other people first and listen, you, you have a better way of guiding yourself through life and you become more effective at work. You become a much better spouse, a much better parent, and life gets a lot easier when you become a good listener. And what do good listeners do? They validate emotions. They understand perspectives. They're willing to take criticism. They're willing to empathize. Even if they think you're wrong, they still empathize and understand. And that's called maturity. And if people can get there, they can do a really good job of communicating in relationships. It's very important to understand that our communication is really the guiding force to our life. The other guiding force to our life is our degree of pain of any situation that we're in. That's another guiding force. But the, uh, the, the most important guiding force is how we interact with other people because we need people to survive. We're not meant to be all on our own. And so that means we have to re- really listen. Not with half your brain. You know, a lot of people manically plot what they're going to say next, and they try repeating what they're saying in your head and putting all your focus on your partner. And you'd be amazed how much they don't might open up to you, given the idea that you will give them undivided attention and listen. It'd be amazing. Uh, You know, when they have said what they've said, instead of jumping right away and doing your manic uh, what you have to say next... Uh, take a beat of silence. Take a beat of silence and think. You know, it gives everyone a chance to collect themselves and breathe. And sometimes a moment of quiet while looking into each other's eyes can communicate more than a wall of words ever will. As a matter of fact, if we get in conflict, circular arguments, they escalate and escalate, they turn into Broadway productions. And people get hurt because they say horrible, horrible things to each other in an attempt to get their partner's attention. And then everything becomes about the words rather than about the feelings and about listening, unfortunately. You know, we've all done it. We've all caught up in a relationship conflict, sensing we're losing, you know, but it's not about winning. It's not about being right in a relationship. It's about listening. You have to get rid of, I have to be right. You have to get rid of losing an argument. We go for the kill by bringing in another uh, similar problem that our partners committed to basically move the cheese, to, to divert attention from what the argument is. And the, we end up derailing rather than problem solving. And so, you know, we're upset. They didn't congratulate us on a recent, uh, let's say, win at work or, or, uh, or uh, bring up a time, uh, you know, that, that something happened. 
that was good. No, they have to bring up criticism, criticism, criticism. And there's a lot of people out there with this objective idea that they have to, everything's got to be perfect. And those people procrastinate enormously with the excuse of it has to be perfect. But they also lay that label on their partner. And so they become hypercritical of their partner and they criticize and criticize because they're not perfect. And quite frankly, none of us are perfect. All of us are flawed. And if anybody wants to spend any moment of life, they will find that we all are flawed. We all make mistakes. We all do terrible things. And yes, we also need to embrace that part of ourselves as our struggle going through life. You know, that requires compassion and empathy. In, in, you know, if we do this circular fighting all the time, it creates a snowball effect. And what really just, you know, becomes a massive issue spinning our relationship constantly. And every time there's a reminder, you hit that button and all of a sudden that, that same old argument comes forward. And what's really interesting about circular arguments is usually one person takes on a more narcissistic role and the other takes on a more victim role and then they both play off each other and hurt each other. You know, there's one thing that we have in common that none of us can change the past. So bringing up old disagreements during a fight simply makes your partner feel trapped and helpless because all of a sudden we're not talking about what we originally talked about. And, and then we drop what's been, been and gone and we try focusing on the present issue, causing your relationship conflict. It's the only one that you do have the power to do is change this conflict today, the one we're discussing. The, the also, uh, people invent intentions. You know, we've spent a substantial amount of our lives with someone. We can assume we know them well. We forget that they're another person with a mind of their own. And only one of the main things we assume is that we know the other person's intentions. And that's just not true. But what's really interesting is forgiveness is based on examining intentions. Unfortunately, people like to interrogate. And so they ask the why question. Well, the why is like a parent asking a child. You're going to get a lie uh, because the person doesn't want to get in trouble and they don't want to have to deal with it. Whys are never good when you're going after an intention. What and hows are awesome going after intentions. That means that you're willing to hear the process that led to the bad choice rather than keep banging on the bad choice as an example of who you are as a human being and a failure in life. You know, we love to hurt each other emotionally. And it's like when somebody strikes me, I want to strike back. Well, we can't be doing that in a relationship and not have consequences but that's what people do, you know. Let's just say you want to discuss money, and 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 you know the money. One person's a spender and the other's thrifty. Well, guess what? You're going to have to compromise, compromise rather than throw temper tantrums about the way you want it to be. You have to compromise. We have to come up with a way to deal with it. The other thing people love to do is blame, um, especially in this day and age. People don't like responsibility. They just don't like it, you know. But a relationship can only work if it if it has mutual responsibility. That means we're willing to fight to trust each other. You know, you can love someone and not trust them. But when you trust someone, the love always grows. And so that's the foundation of how you work a relationship to make it better. You eliminate 
every single trust issue. And so, you know, we all have to understand that, you know, blame on the other hand is about right and wrong, which means one person wins and the other loses. Do you really want to have that in a relationship? No. No, you don't want to have that. You know, do you, do you really want your partner to feel like a loser? You know, is, is that ever going to lead to greater trust and understanding between you? Or is it just going to be a, relent, a relentless uh, a relationship conflict? You know, life is about perspective. Our perspective is where we live. And we cannot change each other's perspective. We can influence each other's perspective, but we can't necessarily change each other's perspective. So what I'm trying to say is we have life as it is, the reality of it is, but we never see the reality of life. We only see our perspective, and that's the box we live in. And when you join your life with someone else, you have to get to know what's in that box, and you can't change it. You have to accept it, and that's the hard part. Now, once again, you can influence maybe that, but I doubt if you're going to be able to completely change that person. You know, we all see things differently. You know, if you're standing facing a statue and someone else is standing behind a statue, it's really worth your effort to yell at them for hours for not, you know, getting in the picture. No, that's crazy. You know, there's a lot of, of, of work out there in life about fighting uh, how negative consequences and a lot of studies about how negative, uh, negative partners are aim at each other's perspective and tear each other down to the point that it affects their ability to work, their ability to live, their ability to overcome illness, their ability to overcome stress, um, to, to the ability to, to, to think your life is going to ever be any better. It, we lose hope, we lose faith, and, and we lose a lot of things when we live in that negative world. You know, they often, it's really interesting that if you surround yourself by people, let's say they're doing drugs or alcohol, there's a good chance that you're going to do drugs and alcohol. You know, if you surround yourself by intelligent people, it's a good, good thing that you might become more intelligent. If you're going to be around more uh, spiritual people, you'll probably become more spiritual. So how do you want your partner to be? What do you want them to bring to your life? Do you want them to be a downer for you or do you want them to be a good influence for you? And that means that we work on the relationship, the, the actual emotional connection between each other. We have to value that. You also don't want to bring other people into conflict. I hear this over and over uh, where someone says, oh, my partner had an affair or whatever. And then the next thing you know, everybody knows about it, including everybody at work, all your friends, all your family. Oh, my gosh. All that does is destroy trust, period. And if you want to get a relationship to end, um, that's a really good way to do it, to make yourself a victim of your partner, not understanding that something like an affair is more than likely uh, a product of the relationship not going well. You know, marriage is the loneliest place on the earth when it's not working and we all need to come to grips with that. And that's why there's marital therapy. It's there to help you. It's there to improve your relationship. But you have to be serious about it. Because what you do to your partner always comes back to affect you. Not only you, but your children, your friends, your family, overall, your relationship, your vacations, your home, what you come home to, what you have for dinner, what kind of, how you spend time. All of that gets affected by the way you treat your partner. 
you know, treating feelings as gospel is critical. It's invaluable. You know, we consistently have a feeling about anything that we talk about. There is an, an emotional attachment. Before you can ever get to a constructive discussion, you have to deal with the emotional attachment. Empathy, compassion, that's the deal. You know, uh, uh, it shows us that we need to examine and, and what is and what isn't working for us in life. But feelings are not gospel. They can change rapidly. And they're not someone else's responsibility either. You make me feel is one of the dumbest statements you could ever make. You choose to feel. Take accountability for how you feel. Take accountability for your own emotional management. Select carefully what emotions are going to motivate you to do something good because that's what emotions are meant to do. They are meant to motivate, to motivate. And if they don't motivate you, don't lay them behind a thought. That's the critical part of it. A lot of people live in their emotions and they say, I feel, I feel, I feel. And they think that's the truth and that they think that that's the way things are. No, that's their perspective because it's a feeling and feelings don't make good decisions. As a matter of fact, you should never, ever make an emotional decision ever. You pause and think until you get to logic or someone logical and try to come up with a conclusion that you can make peace with. Because every time we do emotional decision making, we do some really stupid things and some very, very, very uh, uh, damaging things. You know, it, it, it's so important to look for forgiveness, like I said. Looking for forgiveness is how did you decide to do this? What made you think that this was the right thing to do? I just need to understand. You know, the, the, there's also the words always and never and try are the worst words in a conversation. Try means you have a back door, always. The other thing is uh, always and never have no place in useful conversations. They serve as blocks. They don't give each other any room to negotiate or change. And they usually come after the word you. And so... It, <laughs> It's important to understand that everybody tries to, not everybody, a lot of people try to make life black and white. They just want to make everything simple. Black and white, you're this, you're that. Label, 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 label. Well, life's not black and white at all. It's all gray because all of us have different perspectives. And so we have to come to grips with that. You know, if, if, if you look at those words that always and never and try, you always get so angry. You never listen to me. That's not true. It's just not true. Why would you say such extreme stuff like that? All you're going to do is offend people. You know, when you hear yourself doing this, stop and rephrase. Why don't you do an I statement instead? You know, uh, uh, how I feel, you often get angry. I feel that I'm not being listened to much these days. Why can't we go to that? You know, why is another word that just serves to make another person feel they're being accused or judged or interrogated? You know, try questions that begin with what and how, what and how. They are most open-ended. How could we make our budget last longer? Sounds a lot more useful than why do you spend our household budget too fast every single week? The other thing is forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is examining the intention rather than banging on the outcome. And it's essential between two people in a relationship. And if you can't learn to forgive or you have a hard time forgiving, 
you're going to have a hard time having a stable relationship. You know, it's not useful in conflict. Saying, fine, I forgive you in the middle of argument is rare how we really feel. That's that's not going to happen. I forgive you. Just Whatever. Just move on. That's not for real forgiveness. You know, it's often said in a way to make the other person feel little. It's false forgiveness. And it comes across as, you are wrong and I'm right. Therefore, I'm in the position of superiority. I bequeath forgiveness to you. Not great. Not great. That's not a good transaction. You know, <laughs> you know if you, if, while you're at it, drop the, the sidekick of false forgiveness and punishment. If you find yourself saying things that sound like something you'd say in a, to a naughty child, you're not being very productive uh, in a relationship. You've got to be more mature. Get out of the punishment mode. You know, I'm not going to cook for you. I'm not going to do anything for you. I'm not going to ever do this again to help you. You know, that punishment mode, we end up losing out, we become childish, and we sabotage something we actually could enjoy if we actually put the effort in and stop dumping our ego all over our partner. Also, you know, conflict in relationship is an opportunity to grow. That's what it's about. That's why you're having it to hear each other and constructively see how we can make things better. And whenever you're able to resolve conflict, it builds trust and security that, ah, I can do this. We can do this. We can actually resolve. That's two adults living together. All right, we're gonna take another break and we'll come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about what I call circular arguments. It's the same argument, just over and over and over. Couples do it. They can go on for years, never, ever hear each other, end up having to bury one or the other and resenting the life that they had with that person just because they refuse to listen to each other. But here's the deal. Listening is respect. And when people are not good listeners, they're disrespectful. Guess what happens? That's one of the most, uh, that is the biggest link, the biggest route to getting to uh, anger and rage. And people that live in anger and rage often feel they're not heard. And so we have to understand that if we're going to hit that on a continuous basis in our relationship, reflectively, we're going to have a miserable life. And reflectively, we're not going to have very good memories. Reflectively, we're, the legacy of our life is going to be a negative outcome. And uh, when we die, uh, people are often relieved that we're gone. And if you want to live that way and if you want to die that way, that's fine. But memories are the one thing that we leave behind as our legacy. It's not our things. It's not our homes. They, that all kind of that crap goes away eventually or it gets wasted or it gets used. But the bottom line is the big deal of what makes our life important is making memories and being very, very conscious about doing that on a continuous basis and try to be present at all moments of your life. You know, despite your best efforts, is your relationship unable to progress? Sometimes it's, it's time to add something, you know, an outside perspective. You know, couplet counseling involves a qualified person who creates a safe and objective environment to discuss your relationship conflicts. And it can help with commitment to issues and power imbalances and intimacy issues, among a whole lot of other things. You know, some couples have variations of the same arguments while others have different ones. But, you know, there's the most arguments in a relationship revolve usually around similar issues. And the specifics may vary, but the core, there's a consistent theme that exists. This bickering over the same things isn't just reserved for couples. It's roommates, siblings, family members, friends. They can all find themselves having caught the same disagreements year after year with seemingly no lasting resolution or change. Well, not every subject you talk about calls for a resolution, and if you're not asked your opinion, don't offer it. You know, people try to solve other people's problems. That's not what you do. You are not there to solve their problem. You are there to listen, and that is the job. If you're asked your opinion, give it. Otherwise, listen, 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 listen. You know, the bicker- this bickering is, is is relentless, and it's a big recipe for common arguments uh, has come during the pandemic, by the way. The pandemic has been very hard on relationships. 
um, because people are spending more time together and have significant less access to their self-care, their outside hobbies. And, and, and without some of our normal outlets, like our commutes, our time to work, our dinner with friends, our frustrations have nowhere to go but into a pressure cooker leading to more fights with each other. And if you're doing circular arguments during the pandemic and not problem solving, not empathy, not listening, if you're going to live that way, you are going to be one crotchety person for many years. You know, you need to understand you have to be humble and you have to put others in front of you. You know, a lot of these fights are about the same things and it's like living in Groundhog Day. You know, it's difficult to share space and time with another person. We find other people inherently annoying by the nature of them being different from us and not doing things the way we do them. You know, people, that's control freaks, by the way. You do it my way. You do it my, you know, people tend to have the bias towards themselves to see their contributions, their beliefs, their behavior as the only behavior, the right behavior, which makes it difficult to have an accurate perception of interactions and a tendency to see others as the problem and if you are not going to honor other people's thoughts and feelings yes you are the problem it's just that you won't take responsibility for being the problem you know it's really not about you know the the circular argument is often not about like the dirty dishes these small issues reflect bigger problems like you're lazy and you don't help and you don't do what you promised to do that's really what the argument's about and that the issue at hand is the unwashed dishes. But if we're going to beat on that, well, I did wash the dishes the other day. No, no, no. It's you are not taking responsibility and need to help. That's the big issue. And the quicker you go to the big issue, the more constructive a disagreement will become. And there's also an exaggerated response. And the ability to let go becomes increasingly difficult because since you're doing circular arguments all the time, you're going to resort to name-calling, abuse, physical, mental, health, all kinds of crazy things that people do because they won't hear each other. You know, think. Think. What is going to make your life better? We have different values. You know, arguments frequently occur be- based on a clash in values between someone. You know, uh, uh, it, it's you know, our homes are supposed to be our safe place, our haven, our refuge from the outside world, where we want to just relax and unwind, be ourselves. So we place an emphasis on our sense of fulfillment at home. And that said, most of us have a set of unspoken and acknowledged values, rules, guidelines about how we expect or prefer things to happen at home. So when our significant other becomes a pig, guess what we have to do? We have to deal with that. Are you going to argue with them about being a pig or are you going to solve it because you care more than they do? Well, there could be a balance in that. But accountability is what needs to happen. You know, we're trying to combine our life and make it comfortable for us. We have to have each of us have to have our own spaces that we call our own. But the family spaces should be the shared spaces. And that's what's most taken care of because that's where you spend most of your time. The, the other thing is wanting to be right. That causes circular arguments all the time. You know, right. I'm right. I'm smarter than you. You know, no. No, you know, arguing politics, politics is ridiculously stupid thing to argue about. We can do nothing about it. They don't care what we're saying anyway. The only thing we can do is vote. And now they, 
now they're basically uh, <laughs> fraud in our voting system. So now whatever is being voted is being done by somebody else. So we don't even have a right to vote in our country anymore. You know, with something like politics, people's heart and morality are often tied into beliefs so that they may struggle to fully avoid the topic with a family member because they have hope of changing another person's mind. And when we believe ourselves to be right, we irrationally think that we just must not be explaining ourselves well because if the other person really understood what we're saying, there's no way that they wouldn't disagree or agree. You know, there, there's no way they wouldn't agree. They, it's See, this need to be right is not the goal. The need to listen is the goal. The need to share with each other is the goal. The need to ask each other what you think is the goal. That is the only goal. You know, we hold on to the past. This is a problem in circular arguments. The inability to let small things go is often the result of unresolved issues that have compounded over time. And so issues can go unresolved for a whole lot of reasons. You know, for example, maybe someone tried to avoid conflict by failing to let someone else know how they've been hurtful. Or maybe a friend never apologized for a fight. Or even both friends have moved on. The issue may uh, that they fought may also be unresolved because they never apologized. You know, the problem is when there's no resolution, these small disagreements grow and become quick trigger points. You know, for example, if, if someone buys something impulsively without talking to their partner uh, and, and they keep doing that, uh, the, this can be a quick and a big argument. And sometimes the past can cause you to lose confidence in your trust. And all conflict is a trust issue. That's why you want to break out what is the trust issue? What is the bigger picture? Not the dishes getting done. The bigger picture. Go to the major trust issue if you want to call, uh, solve conflict. You know, uh, uh, if one spouse has made mistakes in the past or lost the trust of their partner, this is the bridge back. The person who violates trust needs to ask you to have faith in them that you have learned and you are not going to do it. Your choice to decide to stay with them or not is your only choice. So the bottom line is, are you going to have faith in them or are you going to break up? You know, the, that's where it is. That's where it is. And if you're ever going to try to get trust, you, you don't go, can we try to make this work? No. We will make it work. We will or we won't. And if, if, if your partner is down in the dumps, your job is to go up into faith. I have faith we're going to get through this. I have the faith that we're going to hear each other I, eventually. You know, that's the kind of conversations you want to have. You can't just go to where your partner is and sit there in their depression. You know, the, the, this, this trust issue of throwing the past out can really be destructive for a relationship. Your life is now, in this moment. Can you just be in this moment and not the past and not the future, but this moment and actually make a memory with your partner? Can you do that rather than beating on all the things you hate about them? You know, we know how to win. We know each other's vulnerabilities. That's what a relationship's about. So all you're doing is exasperating each other's vulnerabilities. Why don't we have compassion for each other's vulnerabilities and try to heal it that way? You know, a, a kid's going to do something if you give them a compliment more than if you give them a timeout. 
You know, you can win a kid's heart and you can win a partner's heart by being grateful and being complimentary and, and recognizing growth and validating. And by the way, some people need a lot of validation. That's their love language. It's a need. It's not a want. And trying to condemn them for that is ridiculous. You know, are we going to be doomed to repeat the same arguments over and over? Probably not. If you want and you have the will to break the cycle, as long as you're both willing to put in the work, as long as the relationship is worth saving, as long as you're worth, instead of going to an escalation, go to 30-minute timeout and call a time back in 30 minutes, we're going to be adults and we're going to do adult conflict. And here's adult conflict. You know, I was really sad and very upset that you didn't do the dishes because it made me have to do the dishes and I didn't have a lot of time and I was really tired. I had a rough day. There we go. There's adult conflict. It's no tone, no verbosity, no Broadway production. You're just stating your emotions and stating the facts as you see them. That means your partner's less likely to be defensive. You know, the problem isn't differences. It's how people talk to each other. And that's important. It's your attitude. It's your willingness to talk about the same. If you're going to do the same thing over and over and just finger point, you're just moving the cheese and you guys are never really taking on the issues. Maturity and adult life has to do with taking accountability for what we've done and also what we're going to do and being constructive. You know, you both need to compromise. You both need to focus on a common goal. You know, there, there's the common goal is we want to make our relationship better. And you also want to fight fairly and respectfully. And this is a big one, probably the biggest roadblock in overcoming a circular argument. You know, it's okay to disagree with each other. Remember, I'm okay, you're okay. That's what has to be in your mind every single time. Let go of the past. Give each other a little grace. Whatever happened to grace, we don't practice that in society these days. Focus on your own behavior. And it's okay to seek help. That's the important parts that we all have to remember as we walk through this life with the desire to be in a relationship. All right, that's our show. I love hearing from you. And you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember... People still bring up the old you because they're still the old them. (laughs) Positivity is a superpower, by the way. And 10 years from now, make sure you can say you decided your life rather than you responded to your life. Also, a tongue has no bones, but it can break a heart. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 